Welcome to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. This is Brian Kletter, the creator and host of the podcast. You can engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought or at Counterthought CEO and on our Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast. For audio versions of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And for video versions of the podcast, join us on YouTube at the Counterthought channel. Let's go. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Counterthought. Is Elon Musk and his 9.3% stake going to restore free speech to these social media platforms and end this censorship, which leans way to the left once and for all? Well, time will tell, but in case you missed it, last week, Elon Musk announced that he has purchased a 9.3% stake in Twitter. That was worth about $2.9 billion. So roughly Twitter, I guess the valuation, the market cap of that company at that time when he did his purchase is around $30 billion, somewhere between 30 and $35 billion. Now, once that news broke, Twitter's stock shot up through the roof. And a lot of people started asking the question, well, what what is Elon doing? Is he going to take this 9.3% stake, join the board of directors, influence the company? Now, he can only influence so much, and he's still subject to all the rules of a board of directors, you know, fiduciary responsibility and so on and so forth. Or is this just the start of a hostile takeover? Well, he will buy at least 51% of the outstanding shares of Twitter and own Twitter, and then he could do whatever he wants <clears throat> with the company. He could get a new board, a new CEO, all of these things, clean house. Well, we'll see what he does, but the latest development in this purchase, well, this acquisition of the shares of Twitter, is that last week, it was said a couple a day or so after he bought his 9.3% stake that he was going to join the board of directors. Okay. He was going to join the board of directors as a level two director. I forget the official classification. But with that came a cap, a maximum on the percent of Twitter that he could own. He was going to be capped at 14.9%. 14.9%. Not 2022, not 2023, but all the way until the end of 2024. And then news broke on Sunday night, a couple of days ago, that Elon was no longer going to join the board of Twitter. It was announced on Sunday night, a couple of days ago, that Elon Musk was no longer going to join the board of Twitter. The current CEO announced that to the current employees of Twitter and also shared that internal memo that he shared with the employees out for the rest of us to see, to the general public to see. And there are a couple of reasons in there that really stood out as to why Elon is not going to be joining the board. The key one, though, is the fiduciary responsibility, which I just mentioned a second ago. As a member of the board, you have a fiduciary responsibility to Twitter, which means you are limited on what you can say about Twitter positively and negatively. 
because that could influence the stock price of the company. As a fiduciary, you are supposed to do what is best for Twitter. Well, Elon has been a heavy critic of Twitter. He has criticized on and off. He'll do polls. He'll he'll troll and so on and so forth. So my guess is that he did not want to be restricted by being on that board of directors. And he also, I think, doesn't want to be limited to that 14.9%. Because anywhere over the next 30 plus months, but before that 14.9% restriction would wear out in t- end of 2024, Elon could decide, well, I want more shares of Twitter. And I don't think he can break his agreement on the board of directors. I think he's locked in for that time period. So I think Elon is up to something. I give it a 75% chance that he becomes a 51% or greater stakeholder in Twitter and basically buys it outright in what's being called a hostile takeover. I think he wants to see Twitter be the public square that it was once known to be before all of this heavy censorship took place under the former CEO of Jack Dorsey. And what this will allow Musk to do is to remain critical of Twitter. The announcement from the current CEO that he'll no longer be joining the board says that they'll still value his input at Twitter, but he will not have the official board seat. So I think Musk will continue to ask questions of the general public, you and I, if you're on Twitter, you've probably seen some of his tweets. He gets about 3 million votes per per question, such as, does Twitter need an edit button? Uh, he did he did another one after he announced his 9.3% stake, asking if the Twitter headquarters should be converted into a homeless shelter because most of the people for Twitter work at home anyway, so it's just, I guess, an empty building. Um, but yeah, I think... I think Elon Musk should just buy Twitter. He's worth about, I think it's $280 billion. Twitter's worth somewhere around 30 to 35 billion. So we're talking about what, a little bit less than, a little bit more than uh, 10% of his his whole net worth, if he can, if he can go ahead and, and swing that. But Twitter was once seen as a public forum. I first joined it <clears throat> to get breaking news because it was so quick. Everyone, all the reporters, all the news stations, everyone had a Twitter account. And that's what I would follow those local news, national news, world news, set up alerts so I could know what was going on, you know, faster than what would be reported on television. And then Twitter became more and more left-leaning, I guess, in their practices. And that's where this whole censorship thing really, really started to get out of control because the censorship leans to the left, meaning that it is acting against people who are questioning the quote normal, the status quo, or people who are politically to the right, like myself. I'm sure you have seen over the past two years during this pandemic that anytime you post anything, anything that has to do with COVID, you get a little flag on your tweet. Or if you're posting on Instagram, you'll get something. If you're posting on Facebook, you'll get something talking about, hey, here's a link to go get accurate, accurate 
approved information regarding the pandemic. Whether you're talking about masks, whether you're talking about vaccines, whether you're talking about who knows what related to the pandemic, you're, you know, it got a little flag, a little, a little sticker, a little information pop-up, so to speak, a little tag on it. But what we're really talking about here is we're not really talking about free speech. That's kind of, that's just kind of the term that has been given. I guess it carries a little more, a little more weight, you know, a little more importance. But what we're really talking about is censorship because free speech doesn't exist for these private companies. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You know, these are private companies. They can set their guidelines and they do to limit what you can say. A lot of them refer to them as community guidelines, you know, what you can and cannot say. If you say something that goes against those community guidelines, most sites you'll get three strikes and then on that third strike you're out unless you post something way, way, way like to the extreme and you're just gone in an instant. You might get your account temporarily suspended. You might just get locked out for a few hours. But after a couple repeated offenses, you could be permanently suspended. Like we know, a few highly prominent folks on the right have been. Because what free speech is really gets at, <clears throat> or what free speech where you're having most protections is when your speech is about the government. And it's protecting you against the government taking action against you. If you're at your job you and you talk bad about your company, they can fire you. And you cannot say, oh, this is free speech. One thing you cannot do is directly incite violence with your speech. That That is not protected. Um, like it, on these social media platforms, you cannot say anything that you want you have to abide by their guidelines but it's these guidelines that are getting more more that are censoring more and more people and you can appeal and they have this process and a lot of times you can get reinstated cuz the thought is that they have this algorithm set up that's just going to tag you know something that you say or post or what have you sometimes they get it wrong so you appeal it and then you're restored but then there's accusations that and I get this from friends you have bigger accounts than I do, like on Instagram. I forgot TikTok, another social media. But they'll talk about on Instagram, like if they get dinged, that's the term they use, even though they may be reinstated, that they feel like their reach is uh, lowered, is kind of uh, suppressed a little bit. So even though they're, quote, freed of the, of the, uh, the account violation, they're still suffering consequences for it. And over the past couple of years, especially leading up to the end of the Trump presidency, so <clears throat> going through 2020, we heard a lot about Section 230. We had the CEO of Google go in, CEO of Facebook go in. Well, I guess some of this was during the pandemic, so they were, they were virtual, but we had Facebook, Google, Twitter CEOs being questioned by Congress, asking like, what is going on with the censorship? Do we need to alter Section 230 so that these social media platforms are not, um, quote, free to just uh, moderate all of this content and be considered a publisher? 
Because what Section 230 provides for these social media platforms is they are not responsible for like what a user posts. So if I post something about somebody or something, the company, that social media platform is not liable for what I say. I am, but not the company. But then if you are a publisher, if you edit something or promote something, then you would be treated like a similar news outlet, which can be held liable for slander, defamation, and libel. So these questions were being asked of these CEOs of you know Google, Facebook, and Twitter saying, you know, basically threatening, hey, we're going to alter Section 230 so you guys aren't protected because what you are doing is you are quelling speech. You are quelling speech that you disagree with, but yet is not harming anyone. You know, we've heard the term a lot, misinformation, disinformation, and that gets flagged and has these fact checks. But who's really doing the fact checking? Who's the source of truth that is that they are using with these fact checks? We saw this all the time during the pandemic. If you talked about something with with masks and then you decided, you know, maybe you were a little ahead on your research or something and you said something against what the CDC was saying, you were going to get flagged or your content was going to get taken down. And that was considered misinformation because it was misleading the people purposefully. So nothing has been done to Section 230. We'll see if anything's done. That's kind of been a non-issue right now for the uh, Biden administration and this Congress. But we'll see, I guess, in the start of 2023 if that changes, especially if the uh, Republicans take control of the House and the Senate. Because at that time, with the Section 230 argument, what was taking place was you had the Democrats saying that they wanted to see changes to Section 230. They wanted the social media platforms to quell more speech, whereas the Republicans are wanting there to be more speech, less restrictions, stop less enforcement of these community guidelines and let people say what they want to say in like a true town square fashion, and then let the individuals figure out who they're going to listen to, what organizations they're going to listen to as their, you know, who they believe, right? Their own source of truth. But jumping back to Twitter and Elon Musk, who has Twitter censored? Well, Twitter's permanently banned Trump. And we know, well, if you're following the news, whenever the news was announced that Musk bought this 9.3% stake, first question was, is he going to reinstate Trump? Oh my gosh, could you imagine if he reinstated Trump? Like, whoa, you know, reinstate Trump. Trump's been permanently banned from Twitter and he's been left to developing his his own social media platform, Truth Social, which has had a really horrible time getting launched, overwhelmed. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. My guess is they don't have enough servers and in the, infra- the network infrastructure to, to handle it all. Maybe enough employees also. But that's just gone bad with Truth Social. But that was the first question. Is Trump going to be reinstated? Are some of these other people going to be reinstated? You know, most recently, Babylon B and Charlie Kirk, <clears throat> they were per- uh, suspended for purposefully misgendering Rachel Levine, who was um, listed as the the woman of the year, even though Rachel Levine is a biological man. 
Tucker Carlson got suspended by Twitter for agreeing with the Babylon Bee and Charlie Kirk. Alex Berenson, he pops up on the Clay and Buck, uh, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show their podcast all the time. Every couple of weeks, he's been real heavy into the COVID data. He's published about 13 books. He's always looking at the, the data that's coming over from, from Europe and Israel and predicting and doing this number crunching and telling you information about the pandemic that is different than the CDC, but that gets labeled misinformation and he got labeled too many times. So he's permanently taken off of Twitter, but he has a Substack. stack. Uh, Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, <clears throat> permanently taken down from, from Twitter. And I apologize for this clearing of the throat. I think I'm, I could be coming down with something or just have a scratchy throat, but, but hang in there and sorry for that constant clearing. Uh, but he, James O'Keefe and Project Veritas were, were taken down from Twitter because of sharing a video, secret video capturing a Facebook VP. Um, I believe that was actually talking about censorship, like an undercover video. Then you have Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy. He was taken down for, quote, civic integrity policy of Twitter. I believe it goes back to the the 2020 election and saying that there was uh, fraudulent voting. And then Lynn Wood, who also got wrapped up in, in the voting, the vote counts of the 2020 election, he was taken down permanently. And then we have the current news, which is now finally a year and a half later been verified by left... <laughs> by left-wing news outlets as truthful with credibility is the Hunter Biden laptop story. If you remember in October of 2020, leading up just, I think, about three weeks to the election, that was a coordinated effort by Twitter and Facebook to suppress that Hunter Biden laptop story. It first started, it was... Um, shared by the New York Post, Twitter immediately closed down their account because they said the the contents of the laptop could not be verified. So it was considered hacked information and hacked information goes against the community guidelines. You cannot share hacked information. So Twitter took them down. And then this they admitted to this, Twitter and Facebook. Then they, like, I guess, called their buddies over at Facebook, said, hey, you got to take this down. So Facebook took New York Post down. It went to this, such a far extent that if you if you shared the link, not the tweet from the New York Post, not the post on Facebook from the New York Post, but if you shared a link to the article from the New York Post website, it was going to get flagged. And not only if you shared it like as a public tweet, if you sent it as a DM, they weren't going to let it go through. And that swung the 2020 election. Polls have been taken afterwards saying, hey, if, if you would have known about this story and known that it was true, would that have influenced your vote? And the, about, I think, 10% of the people say like, yeah, that would have changed my vote, which would have given the victory to Trump. But that's, I mean, that's a whole other episode, a whole other topic. But that's huge. And then finally, Going back to the end of March of this year, just last month, these New York Times and the Washington Post and all these other uh, media outlets are 
finally acknowledging that all of this is true? And isn't it curious that it's coming about now? There's thoughts that Hunter Biden could be indicted soon. We'll see. But now, 16, 17, 18 months later, that New York Post article about the Hunter Biden laptop is now considered true by the left and the right of the media. But it was suppressed, heavily censored by Twitter and Facebook in a coordinated effort at that time. So there are alternatives, right, to social media platforms. There's Parler. Parler got taken down because it was speculated that they were heavy involved, heavily involved as far as messaging back and forth between the people who, who um, <clears throat> infiltrate. I don't even know if that's the right word, but the Jan- January sixth on the Capitol, the U.S. Capitol, Parler got taken down by Amazon Web Services, like totally taken off the internet, ceased to exist. Um, it's now back up. Uh, there's Telegram for for messaging, and you can do um, video chats and other stuff within there. There's Rumble as the like free speech, non-censored alternative to um, to YouTube. I'm on Rumble. If you haven't checked out the podcast and you don't like using YouTube, but you like using Rumble, check me out on Rumble. There's also Gitter. I'm on Gitter. I haven't used Gitter in a while. I've been getting really involved in. And Instagram, that's the primary place. And then also now a Twitter, a Twitter recently on TikTok. Uh, but there's Gitter, that's like a competitor. Um, and then Truth Social, which I mentioned just a little bit ago for Trump. We'll see where that goes. What would be crazy is who knows how much money got put into to Truth Social. But if if Twitter got if Twitter reinstated because of Musk, Donald Trump, and then like what's the what's the point of Truth Social, right? But I mean, it's whatever. But the questions remain, should Congress get involved? If Elon Musk does, let's say, a hostile takeover and kind of restructures, redirects Twitter, because this is how far gone Twitter is when it comes to, or how um, how heavy they are with their lean to the left and their, their liberal ideologies, wanting to, to quell speech and speech that they disagree with, speech that is harmless is they had a day of rest yes every month they have a day of rest to help everyone recharge their batteries and you know the the mental and the physical health the the work-life balance like i get that but this month in april just so happened to be the day after this monday you know the day after musk announced that he was not going to join the board that just happened to be their day of rest this month because they're feeling stressed about the announcement of Elon Musk's 9.3% stake in the company. I mean, come on now. People go to work daily under more stress than these people at Twitter, and they're taking a day of rest because they're so stressed by what this might mean. Give me a break. But should Elon do a hostile takeover and clean house? And then if he does that, will that influence these other platforms? Well, people then begin to leave Facebook and Instagram even more and maybe even leave these other alternatives that I just mentioned, like a Parler or a Telegram or a, a Gitter or Truth Social and come back to Twitter. And that 
you know, influence how these other platforms operate and say, well, I don't want to lose our users because that's going to, we're going to lose money from that. So then we need to course correct. So is it going to cause this like domino effect, this ripple effect, if Elon Musk just goes ahead and does a hostile takeover of Twitter? Or if Elon does not do that, or I guess even if he does or he doesn't, <clears throat> should Congress get involved in, in change section 230? Are these social media platforms getting away with with too much freedom and not being held liable for things that they that they um, they moderate and become like a, a publisher? Are they getting away with too much? Because when Section 230 was invented, or not not invented, when Section 230 was um, was signed and became a, a regulation for the internet, it was I believe like in 1996. So none of these platforms existed. Um, Google was starting, I think, in like. 2000, 1998-ish. Facebook was 2003. Twitter, I believe, was about 2007, 2008. So, I mean, this these these platforms weren't even foreseen in 1996. So, should Congress do something? What good will come from, you know, less censorship on these social media sites? I think that we are babying the American public too much by trying to, and also trying to control our thoughts and what we believe is fact so that there does need to be, needs to be more open. You know, <laughs> if I disagree with what Twitter believes to be true, let's say like regarding the, the pandemic or the 2020 election or something like that, what is their right? Yeah, they're a private company. I, I get that. But do they really have the right to say like, hey, this guy, you don't need to hear from him because what if you believe him? You know, what if you believe Brian Clutter and what he's saying? Could you imagine the the harmful effect that's going to have? That's basically what they're saying when they're censoring you about topics like that when you disagree. I mean, Twitter was operating just fine before they did this. They say that, you know, you go woke, you go broke. Twitter's stock has not changed and its price since its IPO over 10 years ago. Yet its user base has grown, so it has not performed well. So I think it is good to have more speech, not less speech, more speech. Less speech is controlling. More speech allows you to consume more information. Yes, not everything is going to be good that is posted on there, right? There's going to be toxic stuff hateful things. You can filter through that, right? We're, we're adults here. But less speech is not better speech. More speech is better speech. And then, so are, are we as the American people, are we satisfied with the current alternatives that we have? I mean, like I said, I joined Gitter. I used it heavily for, I think, the first month, and then I've kind of let that die down. I was more active on, on Twitter beforehand, you know, I, Twitter was great, but then Twitter did all this censorship. So I didn't want to have to deal with that. So I, I went over to Gitter. Gitter's not as good. Twitter is better, but I had to pick and choose. And, and I chose Gitter because I didn't want any kind of censorship. Are people okay with, with rumble or would they just love to love to have YouTube? I personally would love to have YouTube and no censorship. No censorship unless it's 
you know, pornography and all of that other and, and anything else like that. But like YouTube is the number two search engine in the world. It's owned by Google. So it's powered by Google. I want my, this podcast to be found on YouTube more than I do rumble. YouTube has way more users, way better features, way better search, but I'm on both platforms because I fear that there are things that I may say in the course of this podcast that is not actually bad at all, that it could get me censored on YouTube. So I also post it to rumble. And I know that people have left YouTube because they're sick and tired of what they do with certain things. And they've jumped over to Rumble. So I'm trying to, you know, get my entire audience from multiple platforms. And and it's causing me a lot of work, right? I have to sit there and upload and watch it upload and copy and paste the show descriptions. It's just duplicate work. I would love to just post the video to YouTube, post the audio to my host platform to captivate and be done. Use Twitter, TikTok and Instagram as like my primary social media platforms for daily posts and videos and shorts and all that stuff and just be done. But instead to try to capture everyone because some of my audience has left one platform for another, I have to go find them. I have to go find them because I'm not big enough yet for them to, to come find me and be like, you know what? I'll, I'll join YouTube because I love the account thought podcast that much. I'm, I'm not there yet. So I got to chase them. So, all in all, I think this this level of censorship that we're dealing with is ridiculous. And if you are just discovering this podcast, my guess is you you know what this podcast is about. So you agree with me. If you have been a regular listener or a viewer, I tend to think you agree with me. This censorship of speech is is not doing any good. This competition competition that it's creating is. I would say more of a, a forced competition and these other platforms enjoy having the money that's coming to them from these users, you know, an advertisement revenue and everything else that they're making off of it. But it, to me, it didn't happen naturally. We need to have this, this town square where you can share whatever you want to share. Censorship is not doing us any good. And I do believe that Elon Musk's, 9.3% stake in Twitter is very, very intriguing. I think Elon Musk needs to do a hostile takeover of Twitter. I think Elon Musk needs to do a hostile takeover of Twitter and correct it, reorient it back to the center to be a public town square. More speech, not less speech. Not politically left influenced speech, not politically right influenced speech. Just right down the middle. Let people say what they want to say and let it be. Let people, let us, let us adults be adults and think for ourselves. Uh, I would like to think that most of us can do that, although I know there are quite a few who can't. But just let Twitter be a town square. And I think that will cause the other large social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, to, to go in that same direction because otherwise they're going to lose members 
lose account holders, continue to lose account holders to other platforms. And yes, if Twitter reorients itself and then if Facebook and Instagram and these other largest platforms kind of fall in line after that, like a trickle down effect, a ripple effect, it may it may cost, you know, a Gitter, a Truth Social, a, a Telegram, um, a Rumble. Let there be more speech. Good things will happen. That is what I believe. Let there be more speech. And Elon Musk, please be the person to start this. Start it with Twitter. And I believe there will be that ripple effect that will trickle into Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. And get rid of this left partisan censorship that is ruining discussion and ruining debate. There has to be room for debate. Quelling speech is not the answer. It is not the answer. So come on, Elon. Please restore us back to the public square. Thank you for listening to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. Remember to subscribe and like or rate the podcast on your podcast app or on YouTube. And engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought at CounterThought CEO or on Facebook at CounterThought Podcast.